This is a conversation with Marty Glenn. Hi, Marty. Hi, Serge. I'm so excited to be here. I just want to thank you for asking me. Very welcome. It's really nice to have you here. And uh, maybe we can start with a bit about your background. You've been involved in somatic psychotherapy for a long time. Yes, I have. It's um, well, my foundational training was in gestalt therapy and uh, very body-oriented, and then it just went from there and came into the pre- and perinatal and moved the pre- and perinatal into the work that we were doing uh, with bodies. And um, very, very exciting. So I found myself not only in private practice, but also very early on training other therapists, training therapists both as a professor in graduate school um, div- different graduate schools and in professional training seminars. And mm-hmm. my husband and I started um, Santa Barbara Graduate Institute, which was the first doctoral degree offered in somatic psychology. It was a very exciting time for <clears throat> about a decade. And uh, we're able to bring that forward. So I'm very passionate about mentoring and helping the younger professionals gain confidence and new skills and uh, help them find new opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a, so there's a sense of um, uh, pioneering the field yes. because until relatively recently, training in somatic psychotherapy was something that was done by individual modalities and not something that had uh, that went beyond specific modalities. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it was like uh, to create the field, if you want? Well, in this, now I have to say there were two other schools, JFK and CIIS, who had already had master's degrees and had really led the field in that way. Um, but to bring it into a doctoral level with research, and, and doing research in the field of somatic psychology, we focused more on um, the body rather than the experienced body, rather than a technique or a particular modality. Judith Weaver was our first chair and really helped us craft the curriculum. So I know you've interviewed her, and my hat's off to her amazing expertise. And so our foundation had to do with awareness in the present moment, in the relationship, in the body. What are you noticing right now? And her training, as you may know, was with Charlotte Selver mm-hmm. and the wonderful, amazing mindfulness. I mean, um, the neuroscience has just now gotten us into, and, and certainly for 3,000 years we've had mindfulness, um, in, on another planet, uh, it seems like, but now we're bringing it all together. And it's very, very exciting um, to think that we're bringing mindfulness and body awareness as well as all these wonderful techniques. We don't want to throw the techniques away, but we want to bring them together now in a way that is very nurturing and healing. And I think weaving these together now is our challenge and our opportunity and our excitement in moving this field forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that sense of weaving all these approaches and techniques uh, into a broader vision of dealing with the experienced body. Yes, yes. And now, as we all know, 
um, started in probably, I mean, it started, it's hard to say where it started, but with the, the advent of attachment theory coming into uh, counseling psychology, affective neuroscience, uh, now polyvagal theory, epigenetics, certainly trauma, and prenatal and perinatal psychology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of this is coming together with somatic psychology, body psychotherapy, and actually helping us to create a much more effective healing practice than we have before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the the key word, uh, the key word in um, what you said is uh, create a more effective practice. So maybe talk, maybe that's something we can talk a little bit about it and including, you know, your approach in, within the context of the academic institutions on research. You know, so we're not talking about preconceived ideas. We're not talking about ideology, but we're talking about being more effective. Yes. Um, absolutely. What we've learned uh, just absolutely blows my mind. What's coming out of all of these fields and they are beginning to recognize that body psychotherapy is vital to the healing process. And one of the things that we've added, um, the thing that that I'll just back up for just a second and say my husband Ken and I are co-directors of the Star Foundation, and we offer 10-day healing retreats. We offer four 10-day healing retreats each year, and then we offer a professional training uh, to train people to be facilitators. And one of the things that I think body psychotherapy has been uh, very forward-thinking in um, is that we need more time. We need blocks of time within a session. The 50-minute hour is great if you're just thinking about things or you're solving a problem. But if you're going deeply within the body, in the relationship, you need time for that to deepen and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and explore. And so um, I actually came up with um, a little anachronism is uh, that I call techie, um, which is the very opposite of what you'd think it would be. But the, the T stands for time. Mm-hmm. Allow a block of time. Many of our therapists now are going to 90-minute sessions, some two hours. Some will do um, two or three hours maybe every other week. Mm-hmm. And certainly a retreat, as we do at the Star Foundation, um, helps people go very deeply and very intensely with a ton of support into their very early woundings um, or early experiences that really create the foundation for how our body expresses and um, keeps us you know, keeps us going in directions we really are not very effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the the T of techie stands for time, allow more time in the session. And the E, which everybody in body psychotherapy knows that we have to have an experience. It's not about understanding. It's not about knowing particularly, although that's helpful. But it's in the present moment, in the body, we slow the pace, we use our mindfulness, our tracking, our focusing. We allow the storytelling to bring us right into an experience where there are fewer words. Mm -hmm. And we know now that that's accessing a whole different part of the brain. And this mindfulness, awareness, and just simply asking, and what are you experiencing right now? 
Or mm-hmm. what is that like for you right now? Slowing the pace. And, and then the, the C of techie is connection. So we allow more time. We focus on the experience. And then we bring it into the connection. So it's here and now, I and thou. You know, Martin Buber said it so beautifully um, that it is the, the healing is about the connection. So that brings in the attachment theory. It brings in the polyvagal theory that in this present moment, we're creating safety. We are hopefully, through the experiences we have, um, healing some of the old wounds and helping people to um, really recreate their mental model, what Dan Siegel calls a mental model. We all have, and and we get to it through the body. We all have things that we believe about ourselves or have believed that really aren't true, but we came to them long before we had language, long before um, our forebrain was developed. And so it is very much in our experienced body, the part of us that feels like I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here. Um, uh, somehow uh, something is my fault or and or the world is not safe. Mm-hmm. And we also um, decide how I have to be in the world. I mean, for me, I was raised in a pretty crazy family, and I decided that I had to take care of everybody. And I did a really good job of it, you know, mm-hmm. but it was at a cost because I didn't grow a self. And so through this experience in the body and through connection with another, we can have these, uh, what Stern calls moments of meeting, moments of I'm here with you and you get it and you're here with me and that being here together affects me as much as it does you. Mm-hmm. I mean, those moments, as you know, are so precious. Yeah. And so then the, the other part of techie is the integration. Mm-hmm. After we've had the, the experience, we've really deepened the connection. And at a certain point, the body, the, the, the experience tells us, okay, okay, we've done what we needed to do here. And we're ready to integrate it, bring it back into the left brain knowing, and take it home. Um, so all of this, as we now know, um, reprograms our brain by creating new mental models. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not dumb. Maybe it is okay for me to be here. Maybe, maybe I'm lovable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and of course, I have lots and lots of stories. Uh, but in a nutshell, I think bringing all of those together is what changes our epigenetics. Mm-hmm. Changes our DNA. Our DNA is not our destiny, which we know now. And it's through these experience with a connected other that we are able to change our mental model, change our DNA, and help people heal and live the life that, that they really need and want and, um, and want to have, deserve having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, you're talking about these four pillars of uh, mm-hmm. time, experience, connection, and integration. Mm-hmm. And maybe let's go back to the first one, time. Mm-hmm. Because in a way, without time, it's harder to have the others. That's right. And so maybe um, it might be interesting to talk about what you notice happens 
when you have a 90-minute session or a two-hour mm-hmm. session mm-hmm. that, um, you know, of course, we don't know what would have happened if it had only been an hour, for sure, but just uh, your sense of mm-hmm. example of, mm-hmm. of, of sure. what happens there. Sure. Um, well, just to back up and say, in the 70s, I think uh, all of us who were around then did these very long, intensive weekends and um, we went a little overboard. We pushed a little more. At least I did. I don't know about you. Um, then we then was able to be integrated. But now we know that having that extra time and sitting with it and saying things like, let your body do what it knows how to do. And we might be right there supporting the body, supporting um, the hand that goes out and you just put your hand under it. Or the body that moves forward, and very often, this is going to sound really silly, but very often if someone is sitting in my office and they lean over and I put my hand right on their forehead and they almost give me the weight of their head, mm-hmm. sometimes they will go right into a birth memory or a birth sequence or a very early memory, just that piece. Mm-hmm. And so having that kind of time and now and in working with people, I often schedule at least an hour and a half and I will say I have more time if we need it. So I will give myself more time and then I simply charge them for whatever time we use. I'm very careful about that. Um, and you get to know your client. You know, and it's very interesting, um, you get to know how much time they need. Mm-hmm. But most of them, if you're working in the relationship, in the body, in the felt experience, they're just getting to where they need to go at about 30 minutes. And so we need to give them that time to explore and investigate what their body is telling us and to support that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, maybe some of the things that happen with mm-hmm. more time, mm-hmm. you know, that you notice, say, at, in the third half hour or the fourth half mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. that might not have happened before. Well, um, I was just thinking about a, um, um, a young man that I worked with who um, came in and his, he had just flown in from a meeting and he was in a big hurry. His cab was waiting out front. He had all this luggage and he had a cart and he was going out the door and a toddler ran in front of him and he stopped the cart, but he almost wedged this toddler. I don't know if it was either the wall or the door. And he kept playing it over in his mind. He could have killed this kid. I mean, over and over and over and over. And so we sat with that. And what was that? What what happens right now as you tell me that story? And, you know, he would say, my heart's racing, my stomach's tight, and I, I just shouldn't have been there. I, sh- I shouldn't have been there. And... Um, and so we sat with that a little bit, and I asked him, is this familiar? Have you ever felt this before, this pounding of your heart, the tightness in your stomach, um, this this feeling um, of, he was feeling anxious, although I don't like to label those, mm-hmm. 
but because that takes us away from the sensation, but just describing those sensations. And he said, well, I feel this all the time. He said, I'm in sales and I'm always afraid I'm going to lose a big account. Um, and I keep having this, this pounding of my heart. My gut gets really tight and I keep hearing, I'm not good at this. Um, I, I shouldn't be doing this. I, I can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so we sat with that a while and kind of worked with that. And then I asked him, I said, was there ever an earlier time where you might have felt this kind of sensation? And he just allowed that to float to his head. He went, well, when I was in junior high, I was skateboarding down a hill, and I couldn't stop, and I ran into a fence. And I knew I was going to be in big trouble. I tore my shirt, and it just it was not good. And I cut myself, but the worst part was I kept saying to myself, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not, I'm not good at this. And I remembered from his early history that he had been, after he was born, he was in the neonatal intensive care unit. Mm. And so very quietly just leaned over and, and asked him, I said, I wonder about this tiny baby who was in the NICU all alone. Because we had worked on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he burst into tears and just cried and cried, which he'd not been able to do. And he said, I'm not safe. I'm not supposed to be here. And I said, wow. And he just felt it in his body. And there's something wrong with me. I I have to do it on my own. you know." And he just said all these things. Well, that was his mental model. Mm -hmm. And that's how he was going through the world, believing that he's not supposed to be here. Something's wrong with me. I can't trust other people. And if I'm going to do it, I have to do it on my own. Um, and so the first thing, when the, he almost had an accident with this child that was so terrifying, the first thing he thought of is, I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And that was a metaphor, in a way, for his whole mental model of the way he sees the world and the way he takes in the world. So this is just one example of bringing the experience together in the body and coming out with... I wonder what's true about that tiny baby. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, in that in that case, um, it's very clear that mm-hmm. uh, this kind of mental model was not created by the cognitive mind. No. Um, it is really that body experience, that unfiltered, you know, experience unfiltered by language, um, that created something over which the um, the language. Uh, you know, was superimposed. Yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. Um, that's really true. Um, we don't have that language when we're little, but as we mature, we place that language on it, and then we project it out into the world, and our bodies walk around in the world as though that were true. Yeah. And so the body, with time, the body is able to give us those clues, and just being connected and sitting with it, we begin to have an experience of whatever the trauma was, whatever needs to be expressed. And for him, it was the tears, the sadness, the feeling alone, 
Um, and he got to experience it and express it in a way that he may never have done before. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maybe uh, we can put it in terms of completing, you know, Thank something you. that he was yep. not able yes. to do at the time. Right, right. So he brought that to completion mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way. And the integrating part is coming back and looking at the cognitive part of that and shifting that and knowing that this feeling in his heart and his gut is a clue for him about that early mental model, and then he can work with it in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, at the risk of belaboring the obvious, um, yeah. I just want to point out that, say, somebody might be going at it in a cognitive way and talking about, uh, you know, these uh, judgments and these mental models. Somebody might be talking about what happened in early childhood. Um, mm-hmm. But very clearly in what you're describing, the connection was about the present moment experience. That's that the right. The client was brought into the intensity of the present moment experience. And That's right. the, the, the bridge was about recognizing the quality of experience, you know, independent of content, uh, That's right. and then going back to the past. Mm-hmm. And in a way that simply talking about it would never have been able to do. No, that's right. And I was right there with him every step of the way with my voice and my facial expression. I was there with him so that he could feel safe enough to allow his body to go into that experience. And then we can come out and explain it and talk about the mental model and all that. But the, none of that. Is, is, has much value at all mm-hmm. unless you have an experience of the safety in the relationship to express that peace. Yeah. And, and know that, that I'm safe and I'm okay and, and all that. But it's not the words. You're absolutely right. And I want to, to jump on something you just said about, um, your own, Marty, you know, you yes. as a person. Yes. Um, presence. Mm-hmm. Um, your own rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, the quality of your voice, mm-hmm. um, uh, that sense of interest you have, mm-hmm. um, and maybe talk a little bit about what the experience is for you mm. to be the kind of therapist you are. Yes, yes. Um, it is my greatest pleasure, I have to say, to be able to sit with someone and slow everything down and just be there. And I've had to learn to do it. It wasn't natural for me. I mean, I learned to take care of other people, but I wasn't very present. And certainly the mindfulness practices have helped me, meditation, that kind of thing, and being aware of what's happening in my body right now with you and hearing the tone of voice, as you say. And part of it comes out of the polyvagal theory, um, where we know that when we're tiny, when we're d- just newly born, we can't crawl to our food. And so we have to use our eyes and our turning our head and our voice to reach out and yet, and, and, and crying. But if our mother didn't have that herself, then she's not going to recognize our cry. Mm-hmm. And so the vagus nerve, which innervates the heart and the gut, um, is not going to develop as much and as strongly 
as if we had a mother or a parent who was really present and available. And so I had to learn that myself. I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back and learn to receive, learn to receive eye contact, allow somebody to look deeply into my eyes and notice what that felt like in my heart and my gut and the sweetness of that um, instead of the terror of it. So, so maybe I want to stay a little more there because right now you're talking about the sweetness of it mm-hmm. and earlier... Uh, when we started talking about this, you talked about the great pleasure that yes. you have in being yes. the kind of listener that you are. Yes. So these are, uh, you know, really positive emotional experiences. Yes. And uh, very different from a sense of I'm a technician, uh, mm-hmm. I apply methods, uh, and you have obviously learned skills and you talk about it. Mm-hmm. But there is a dimension of pleasure. And yes. sweetness in doing yes. that. So maybe let's stay a little bit more with that mm-hmm. if it's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. We know that um, our brain produces oxytocin, which is the love hormone, and that's what helps us feel so good when we're connected. And I very often leave a session feeling like my heart is so big, I'm not sure I can get out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so good. And it's not that I have done something. It's that together we created, we danced together. And we both were gifted with the presence of each other in this moment. And you know, it doesn't get much better than that mm-hmm. in life. To be able to have that sweetness and to know that over time, Our clients, and you can watch them gradually, gradually learning to trust us a little more, having eye contact. Um, and part of that is us, you know, me being vulnerable or um, finding things to apologize about or having my own foibles. And, and a lot of it is just slowing down and being curious and being present. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to relate this to... The C in techie about yes. connection. Yes. That what we're talking about is not connection in an abstract level. No. But we're talking about that kind of deep personal connection where yes. you are emotionally present, uh, yes. including the difficulty. You're talking about the terror mm-hmm. of uh, connection mm-hmm. and also the pleasure of connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and maybe just, um, you know, to stay a little bit more with that dance, mm-hmm. you know, between the mm-hmm. terror and the pleasure. Of the mm. connection. Yes, and part of that is we have to learn to read facial cues. Um, some of us do that already if we had that kind of upbringing and we had someone who read our facial cues. Otherwise, we have to learn um, and, and just to be present and be curious. So we're reading the eyes shifting or the face, the tiny muscles, particularly the tiny muscles around the eyes. And noticing when the client kind of drops in, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And they take a breath. And you go, ah, right there. And I feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. I feel in my gut. I feel in my heart. I feel in my seat muscles. Mm-hmm. I feel myself sitting back a little bit and slowing down. And so that connection 
happens between the two of us. I don't really do it. I provide a connection. I provide myself in an authentic way so that in my authenticity, and that's just me hanging out being me. I'm not dancing around. I'm not, like you say, I'm not doing any technique. I'm just being curious, tracking myself as I'm tracking the other person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as you're describing this, um, I have a sense of how it's connected to time, to slowing down time, you mm-hmm. know, because you're describing paying attention to these ever so slight movements um, in the client and in yes. yourself. Um, so, you know, that is something, the, these micro-movements um, are going to be essentially slowing the pace of how you function yes. as opposed to trying to figure out, you know, a cognitive story. Yes, yes. It is never about the story. And we know that. The story is important. And the story is kind of the pathway in. But it's that's not the point. The point is the experience of the story. And a lot of times to ask what was that like for you to share that with me just now? Mm-hmm. Or for me to share what it was like for me to hear it and to say, you know, when you said that, it touched my heart. And I noticed my heart got really warm when you said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what happened for you. You know, because partly we're... We're modeling, but we're also connecting and being vulnerable with them at the same time. Yeah. 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 So maybe as we're coming to the end, I want to see if there is something else you might want to say or if we leave it at this. Well, I appreciate um, having the opportunity to talk about this and uh, to know that All of us work in very different ways. There's not a wrong way or a right way. Um, In the retreats that we do, we find that having 10 days um, is pretty remarkable to have people dip in, integrate, dip in, and continue to deepen for about the first five or six days. And um, having a very special one-on-one, we have a, a very large staff, For, let's say, 20 participants, we'll have 14 staff members, Mm. which is unheard of. So just like in individual therapy, you have the time and you have the space. And the person feels like, I'm not being rushed. You're here with me. And whatever needs to happen, happens. And so I encourage all of us out there doing this work to, to look at that, and, and, and a lot of people have. I mean, many, many people have. Many of us have been doing it for many years. Um, and sometimes we're constrained by insurance companies and things like that, um, but sometimes there are ways around that. Just something to consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com. 15 staff members, Mm. which is unheard of. So just like in individual therapy, you have the time and you have the space. And the person feels like, I'm not being rushed. 
You're here with me, and whatever needs to happen, happens. And so I encourage all of us out there doing this work to, to look at that, and, and, and a lot of people have. I mean, many, many people have. Many of us have been doing it for many years. Um, and sometimes we're constrained by insurance companies and things like that, um, but sometimes there are ways around that. Just something to consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.